0: Your host for La Crosse Talk P.M., Rick Sola.
1: All right, welcome to a Wednesday. I was going to give the number, but the guy just did that, right? You should know the number. Just put it in your phone. Darren Von Ruden, the Wisconsin Farmers Union president, going to join me, bottom half of the hour. It's like a half hour. Uh, talk about uh, farming, right? But uh, if you did see... the wisdomnews.com, Evers directed uh, fifty million dollars to Wisconsin farmers and the agriculture industry. So we'll get uh, Von Ruden's opinion on just to, what exactly that means uh, under the first of payments. So the uh, it's an addition to federal funding of fifty million dollars. It's already gone to uh, it's gone through Wisconsin the Wisconsin Farm Support Program. So all stuff that hopefully he can decipher for us and we can just talk about the, the uh, farming in general. We, I, I brought it up to him. So he's so nice. I I called him just to kind of, Hey, what else can we talk about besides this? And, and we're, we're chit chatting. And then he's like, I, I gotta go. I'm actually conducting a meeting right now. And I'm like, what, why'd you answer? He's so nice. He just, he answers the phone. He's talking to me for a couple of minutes and then I, I just imagine like he's in a meeting room and people are just looking at him and he's on his phone talking to me and they're like, how long is he going to talk to this guy? It must be an important call. No, it wasn't important. You have to talk to me. So anyway, da- yeah. So he's going to join us here in a little bit. Uh, before that though, I'm bringing on a lacrosse County board member, Rick Cornfair uh, I just forgot his name. Um, <laughs> Rick Cornforth. There we go. Uh, on the board, the board has their monthly meeting tomorrow. It's actually a criminal justice management council meeting going on right now, uh, which is where a lot of the board members are that I couldn't get a hold of. Not that I asked Rick, not that Rick was on the bottom of my list, but Rick had other things to do, but he's making some time. He's going to set aside some time for us, which is pretty awesome and break down the the county board meeting uh some of the some of the stuff on that agenda. Uh, just the, the, and La Crosse County put this out on their page, on their Facebook page. And yeah, I mean, you can look at the agenda online too, as well. But the American Recovery Plan uh, discussions on refining its priorities, action on proposal to allocate a half million dollars for additional dredging of Lake Nishonick. Uh, resolution authorizing resources to better serve across older adults and people with disabilities and a proposal to hire a communicable disease supervisor position for 2021 it says. So for the rest of this year. Um, all right. So those are a couple of things. Uh, just news items. Again, like I said, Evers has directed $50 million to the farming industry, farming and agriculture industry. And uh, we talked about this a couple days ago, but the former bishop of the Lacrosse diocese, the guy that essentially built the, the shrine of our lady of Guadalupe there on the South side, if you've ever seen that, uh, he is now sedated in a, well, we don't know where he is. He's I, I'm pretty sure he's in Wisconsin somewhere, but we don't know exactly where, but he was hospitalized on a ventilator and now he's been sedated uh, due to COVID-19. So um, he's a Cardinal Raymond Burke. And yeah, it's kind of terrible news. So that's where we're at with that. And it's not the only like official in it kind of not so much in our area, but there's another Wisconsin GOP Senator, it kind of along the same lines as Burke in some ways, in their stance with COVID and vaccines and social distancing and masking. But Andrew, is it Jacques? He's a Republican Senator, uh, tested positive. Now he's in the hospital with pneumonia. So there's a couple of people out there were not doing so well from, from COVID. And those people also weren't doing their due diligence to uh, if they were if they were following those protocols who knows but they they've been speaking out against those protocols uh, dealing with covid-19 which is always kind of kind of a weird place to be in and then you're hospitalized with it after you speak out against it and you're in a position of power and have a, a somewhat of a following so you could lead by example but now you've led by example right to the hospital so, all right. Um, what else was there? there? I thought there was some other there was some other news going on. But uh, tomorrow, I'm going to have Chris Maine, Viterbo biology professor, kind of kind of my go to to talk about COVID 19. We there's there's been some updates with the vaccination. It looks like some immune comp- immune compromised people can now get a third booster shot. Can talk to Chris about whether or not that's necessary. And just if you have questions about COVID, he's going to be in here. We'll take calls. Uh, so so get them ready. I know yesterday when I uh, yesterday a day before when I brought up some COVID stuff, uh, a couple of people did call in, and I was like, all right, you got to save these questions for Thursday when we have Chris in here because talking about some other stuff. So and yesterday I had Matt Rothschild on with the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign. And that was a pretty good show. If you want to go back and listen to any of these shows, wisdomnews.com slash podcasts. Uh, Hayes' Hayes' interviews are up there. we got a couple other podcasts up there. The Bill Fiennes, the Republican Party Chair podcast, um, Fact Check, and uh, I couldn't think of the name. And then uh, William Garcia and myself do uh, a podcast. Uh, It's called The Democratic Voice. So, those are up there too. Uh, the Democratic Voice goes. We, we put out a new one real early in the morning, Monday. Monday morning. I would say Sunday night, but uh, yeah, by the time you get up Monday, you'll see it. So, uh, all right. I got to get Brad in here to do the news. Um, And then, well, I got it. And then uh, we'll call up Cornforth and talk about county board stuff. I'm, 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 I'm stalling right now because I'm trying to see if I can get this call, but I can't. Oh, there we go. Um, I got one call. I, can, I got a minute here. Yo, you're... Hello. 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 Okay, good call. Good thing I waited for that one. All right, we're going to take a break. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM 608 785 7914. If you got to text me, you can text me right now. But Rick Cornforth is uh, on the phone with me. He's a Lacrosse County board member. He's been on the board for six years. Got a meeting tomorrow. So I thought, hey, I got to get a county board member on. And Rick, you you, you were the only one that replied with uh any any amount of availability because I think a lot of people are in a, the criminal justice meeting right now and others uh, Gary Podeski's golfing right now so he couldn't talk although I feel like he could talk and golf like how hey hold on I gotta shoot and then he just takes a <laughs> takes a shot and then he continues the conversation um, but I really appreciate you coming on making some time uh, the 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 county board meeting is tomorrow I guess what is the most important thing you you see here when you look at the agenda online?
0: So, um, you know, normally our meetings are every uh, the third Thursday of every month. Uh, we meet at 6 o'clock, but tomorrow we're going to be meeting early. Uh, we're meeting at 5 o'clock, so we're going to spend an hour um, discussing and kind of exploring um, what options the county has when it comes to um, the American Recovery Plan Act um, and the funding that, that's supplying the county and, and the municipalities uh, for La Crosse County. Um, so, um, it's, it's, uh, important. This is kind of a once, once in a lifetime opportunity for us to have this kind of federal funding. Um, so I think it's real important that we get it right. So, um, discussion is going to be, um, you know, is going to be real important in in the planning process with this funding.
1: Let's, let's hope Rick, let's hope it's once in a lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah, well, do we know how much money exactly it is and what kind of things are we looking to allocate it to?
0: Yeah, so um, La Crosse County, um, in this allocation, uh, what we'll be discussing is about um, $22 million, actually almost $23 million. Um, each municipality within the county um, will also be receiving their own funding. Um, La- the City of Lacrosse will be receiving... Twenty-one million, almost twenty-two million, actually twenty-one million nine hundred ninety-nine. Um, so, um, you know, that's kind of the funding we're looking at, which is really, in my experience, in six years on the county board, is unheard of. Um, so, you know, it's kind of we're kind of breaking it into different sections. So, um, and and really kind of looking at you know what what has been the direct and indirect. Um, costs of the pandemic and COVID-19. Um, so uh, we've kind of broken it down into five different categories. So um, category one would be sustainability and environmental protection. Um, so that would be looking at expanding compor- uh, conservation practices, um, renewable and green infrastructure incentives. Um, also supporting organic and local food de- development. Um, the second category is affordable housing. Um, this one really kind of um, seems to be a hot button right now, especially in the city of La Crosse. If you look at Huska Park, um, I know there's a few uh, city uh, council people um, on county board as well, and, and they're they're looking to the county to help with this initiative to um, supporting um, a bridge uh housing for families so it'd be short term immediate housing for families um combined with case management um other another idea is supported housing for individuals with substance use or persistent mental health issues um you know i think a lot of people would agree that what we see down in Huska Park is probably one or both of those situations um given there are resources in our communities uh, to prevent homelessness and to help place uh, homeless people and families. Um, so that's kind of a big one for me that I, I plan on focusing on tomorrow. Yeah, it seemed, um, Another one would be...
1: It so seemed, go ahead. Well, yeah, it seemed... Uh, we talked about this a little bit last week. I want to say last week, it just seemed... And uh, I think there were about 70 or 70-some homeless people in Huska Park. And there were... When they did the count, I think coolie Cap did the count, there was about 100 total homeless people in the city of Lacrosse. So there's just the, the, the idea here is that, you know, there's a hundred people out there that need to uh, get this figured out before winter comes at least, right?
0: Absolutely. Yep. And I, that's the big concern before the cold weather hits um, to have um, a plan in place. And, you know, I'm hoping we can use this funding to create programs that help, you know, address mental health issues. I think there's a, there's a big shortage in La Crosse of that um and drug use and alcoholism and instead of creating what we've seen in the past you know like with you know we know that if we prevent homelessness from happening by funding you know back rent or whatnot um, that saves taxpayers money um, but we really need to address the bigger issues that are causing this um, and I, I truly believe that um, in most cases it's one of two or both it's, it's drug use alcoholism, um, there's substance abuse, and then um, mental health issues Mm -hmm. um, in the community. Um, Other areas that are going to be discussed, too, is um, infrastructure with a focus on aging. So looking at maybe redeveloping Hillview um, nursing home and um, how they can better equip that facility uh, to the needs of our community as, you know, those trends change and we see a transition um, of needs um, into more specialty care uh, with dementia and mental health disorders. Um, Another one would be child care. That's uh, the number four heading. Uh, It's a strategic uh, investment in child care, working with um, area employers. You know, the biggest challenge for our local economy and employers is the work shortage. So um, getting, you know, um, getting people more accessible and if they can find affordable child care, that's going to definitely help uh, impact what the workforce availability would be.
1: Yeah, that one always seems pretty uh, like a pretty easy dilemma to solve. Uh, people want to go to work, they have a child at home. The, uh, the the job that they're going to be able to go to work to, to do only only pays maybe enough or a little bit more than it would cost to put the kid in child care so what's the payoff
0: absolutely absolutely you know and and looking at how sco- maybe neighborhood schools or schools in in the different communities across our county can help in that um, system to in that model um, to maybe create um, some more opportunity for those uh, families with middle or low income because you know at, at some point it, it really comes down to why do I work? Because like what you said, we're just basically um, working to pay for child care. So, so are you thinking,
1: um, Rick, are you thinking we just put them all on the football team and that way they're they're just <laughs> occupied for another two hours?
0: <laughs> well, we, you know, I, I wasn't a football player, but maybe the cross country team for some of them, you know, well, you know, yeah Everybody for sure has their own uh talents
1: but, yeah, yeah. Ma- and maybe the I school mean, maybe the school could you know like it could help have the school build up some other kind of extracurriculars that don't deal with a, a ball or, or or running shoes,
0: yeah exactly, I mean whatever it may be, whatever those interests are to keep them from playing video games all all you know afternoon and evening but, well an after school
1: know, after school video game competition wouldn't be the worst thing I mean they're your kids are doing something together.
0: if it keeps them out of trouble yeah so um but yeah you know i think there's a there's a big opportunity there because you know there's been a lot of discussion in the city of lacrosse at the lacrosse school district about um you know enrollment and um what to do with these facilities and and you know reorganizing facilities so definitely some opportunity there um another um bullet for local economy and uh, is uh, local economy and tourism. So, uh, supplying tourism incentives to maybe people, uh, business um, travelers who are here for a convention to get them to come back um, for a personal vacation. You know, um, just to you know, kind of help boost um, the tourism, uh, the tourism industry in the in La Crosse area. Um, What would that? What would that be like?
1: What would that be like a coupon to come back to downtown Lacrosse? Say spend twenty dollars. I don't know.
0: You know, and those are some of the conversations we'll be having tomorrow night. um, You know, or in in future breakout groups as we're planning. um, You know, and and strategizing. You know, if it's a book, a tourism book to help drive uh, with coupons or what it would be. You know, for different uh, for different local businesses. Um, so, you know, another, um, another bullet that falls under the local economy and tourism is just new technology incentives, um, to encourage local businesses to implement technologies that will grow greater, uh, efficiencies, uh, with available human, their human capital or their employees. So if they're short staffed, what can we do, you know, on a, on their level to, um, make better efficiencies. So, um, less staff is needed without cutting, um, business hours and services. So, um, and then, um, two more bullets right here, um, uh, immigrant friendly community investments. I think this is an important one when we look at the influx that we're seeing at Fort McCoy, um, and getting those people to work and getting those people housed, um, and, uh, you know, that's definitely going to have an impact on, on, I know that's Monroe County, but that's definitely going to have an impact on La Crosse County too. Um, and then, um, skilled trades training, that's really a no brainer. You know, I think, um, a lot of these trades have had a hard time training skilled, uh, employees. And, you know, I, I, know there's been some focus on, on the trades and I think there could be more and more incentives put in place to, um, fill those workforce gaps
1: sure alright Rick hey I really appreciate you, you taking some time out here and, and breaking that down for us uh, thanks a lot
0: yep hey have a great
1: evening you too alright that's Rick Cornforth he's uh Lacrosse County board member he's going on his sixth year there just breaking down tomorrow night's meeting which is going to be at 5 o'clock alright we gotta take a break Scott's comment. Brad doing in the news All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. If you want to text in, Darren Darren von Ruden is on with me. He's the Wisconsin Farmers Union president. I saw some farm news today, and it just reminded me, like, hey, I've done this for a while, and never had Darren on before, and I, I I feel like we should be talking about farm issues more often, Darren. But thanks for joining us.
2: Well, thanks for having me, Rick.
1: Um, all right. So I just, I, I was reading your, your bio online a little bit and just talking earlier, you're a, you're a, you're an organic dairy farmer out of Westby. Uh, when did you, I, I'm imagining at some point you converted to organic, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, I started the process back in 2005, um, to convert over to organic and started shipping, uh, organic milk in 2000, June of 2007. So, Um, What fourteen years now that we've been on the organic side of the business?
1: And you got to do that from essentially the top down, right? You got from the cows got to be organic, and what the cows eat has to be organic. Does it have to go all the way all the way through the system?
2: Yep. So in other words, you know, that's why we started in 2005 uh, converting the land over to organics uh, because you have to feed the cows for a full year organic feed before. Um, you can start shipping their milk organically so so yeah it's about a three year process um, some farms get it done in in less than that if they think ahead a little bit but uh, you know to do it do it right it takes a good three years to get your land converted over to organic production yeah that was
1: my next question you know my parents owned some fields back home in uh, Greenville and and I'm always like man we should just we should we should start like some kind of organic farm here or fields and, and I'm like well what does it take to what is it, what does it take what does it take to get your your farmland from you know what regular to, to organic does it have to sit idle for a couple of years
2: oh, no so it's really the inputs that you put into um, your production practices and um, there, there's a list of uh, prohibitive products so really any chemicals or herbicides uh, can't be used on our um, so you gotta do a lot of mechanical tillage and hand tillage to control weeds um and then also the seed your seed that you plant so like the corn and else seed can't be treated with okay, control so incubators and things like that so um you know the the land can continue to be used through that process. um you just have those one to two or maybe even three years of transition crops. Um, that sometimes you can use depending on how you go about the process. Um, on our own farm, we um, had enough acres so that we positioned the cows a year earlier than um, what some farms do, but that was because I had enough acres to uh, switch half the farm over to organics uh, a year early, which allowed me to get the cows in a year earlier than what uh, what some farms do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you just don't feed the cows for a year, right? That way, that no, I'm
2: just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it worked that way. Right. <laughs> they
1: they don't. I bet no. Um, and then your bio says you got two kids. So are they uh, are they baling hay yet? Or, or I always want to know that because that's what I had to do when I was little.
2: Right. Yeah. So so yeah, both of my kids are growing. <laughs> I actually have a 27 year old son that is uh, uh, taking over the farm right now, and we baled up a little over 3,200. Um, small square bales that you're talking about. Uh, and I've got a 22-year-old daughter that's expecting a grandson here in the next couple weeks. And so, yes, we still do um, some of that, uh, you know, some folks call it the old-fashioned way, but it's still modern agriculture to me. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the 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 hard man's uh, way of uh, putting up hay, but it's enjoyable to work up that sweat and keep your hands in shape.
1: How many hay bales have you rode up the grain elevator in your life?
2: Oh, not too many in the last 20 years, but I would imagine, you know, when I was, that was an everyday practice during the summer.
1: Right. just uh, just bringing back memories. And and you mentioned, you know, when you're converting these fields to organic, you, you got to figure out a different ways to, to get the weeds out of there. I had to pull weeds earlier today. Darren, I must have sneezed 75 times.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. If you have allergies, it's not the best occupation to be in, but... Um, you know, and with modern equipment too, we have our, our cultivator, the air conditioned cab, so when it's 95 degrees out and the June cultivating, uh, still in somewhat of a comfortable area until something happens with one of the cultivator arms and you have to get out and fix Then It gets kind of warm, but, you know, the. the
1: right. um, do Do job. I, I don't know if you're on the, the, the cell line you're at. It's a little bit hard to hear, so I don't know if you're in the basement or whatever, but if you want to just start walking around and holding your phone to the air uh, to get a better yeah. cell reception. Um, yeah, it sounds like you farmers got it rough. Air-conditioned cabs. What are we doing? <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> well, it's one of those things that, you know, as, as agriculture and society are changing, um, you know, you adapt to these practices, and and when you have that equipment that allows you to get to the, that you know a little bit more convenience or comfortability, um, you end up uh, purchasing that and going that way. It's, but it also you know that adds to your debt load. So looking at you know pricing, and that's one of the reasons why we switched over to organics too was the the economic forecast in the organic market was looking a lot better. Than the conventional market, so it uh, made economic sense in order to keep the farm viable for the next generation.
1: Now, when Governor Evers proposed today, he's gonna he's gonna direct fifty million dollars to Wisconsin farmers in agriculture, and that's on top of uh, essentially federal funding for another fifty million dollars. Um, can you explain how that money gets gets used?
2: Well, you know, some farmers will certainly use it to pay down debts. Um, you know, that's. The the biggest part of what farmers will use it for, certainly um, inputs uh, will be something that farmers look at using dollars for. Uh, You know, there's a whole lot of infrastructure within Wisconsin that needs to be updated, um, not only on the farm but in, you know, the food system. And so let's get some of those dollars into those avenues to, you know, help uh, the local butcher shops and the local grocery stores that are, are struggling too um but you know that a lot of that money that's going directly to the farmers certainly at this time will be paying down debt that they've acquired over the last uh, year and a half or so um you know some covert related some just the you old know, regular market related debt. uh and it sounds like from what i'm hearing there's going to be a, a cap on the amount of money that is uh, going to any one farm but then also too if there's uh too much income on a farm, they won't be eligible for those dollars, uh, and w- which is a good way to do it. So, you know, in other words, if a farmer or a farm doesn't need financial help, uh, should they have free money or not is really the question. Um, and we're also hoping, too, that the Department of Agriculture and Department of Revenue work together to make sure that um, more farms are really eligible for it to the last uh, round of these payments. Uh, you had to be making a certain amount of money in order to be eligible for some of those dollars. And we see in our membership a lot of uh, community-supported agriculture farmers uh, that simply weren't eligible because they didn't have a big enough um, cash flow basis. And those farmers struggled just as much as the farmer that's uh, milk and 500 or 5,000 cows. And so it's been nice to... Have that money distributed, you know, to, to all farmers, not just certain ones that are making over a certain dollar amount.
1: We're speaking with Darren Von Ruden. He's the Wisconsin Farmers Union president. As we're talking, he's a organic dairy farmer in Westby. Darren, what was the biggest struggle for farmers during a pandemic? You know, we hear about like a, a lot of farmers having just just dump milk because you know kids aren't in school, but we all kept eating. So, I mean, we just we just ate differently. So, what was the biggest struggle for for farms?
2: Well, you know, I think a lot of it was the, the marketplace. Uh, you know, with COVID-19, there was uh, processors that were closed down because they simply had too many employees that were um, out because of COVID or sick or, you know, in some cases even died from COVID. And so trying to find the processor to take care of our product was was really the big, big issue. And that's why there was, you know, milk dumps back in April and May of last year, but that time of the year, normally, um, in the upper Midwest, we see some milk being dumped uh, simply because we're producing too much milk for what processing capacity is. And, uh, you know, the local uh, processors, uh, the smaller processors, didn't seem to have as big of an issue as some of the large multinational companies that, you know, basically got too big for their britches. And, you know, looking at the infrastructure of agriculture right now, that you know the the, the idea over the last couple of decades has been you know, let's get big and let's get bigger and bigger because that makes us more efficient. But when you have a pandemic like we had last year, and all of a sudden you have a, a plant that could be smaller, or you should have like five or six of those smaller plants versus the one big plant to spread out your uh, risk a little bit more. Um, we got too concentrated, and that caused a lot of the issues that we've seen on the processing side in, in agriculture.
1: Is there a larger conversation here, and to be had in and how we we are doing all this stuff? I think I think uh, a lot of people in just the dairy industry, right? We're not drinking as much milk as we we used to. I think the and 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 just you know when we when we give money to farmers like this, uh, fifty million in the state, fifty million in federally. Uh, should we should there be a conversation about having some of these farms convert to to something that's that's you know we're going to be we're going to need more down the road?
2: Well, we certainly should be looking at more farmers instead of fewer farmers. Um, you know, here in the last uh, four to five years, we've lost twenty five percent of the dairy farmers in the state of Wisconsin, and you know, just looking at that today, so we're depending on. Uh, 2,500 less dairy farmers to produce the same amount of milk that we did five years ago, which we're doing, but yet that really centralizes our production practices and really to have a good, uh, good economic model, you want to spread that diversity, not centralize it. And so, you know, we should be looking at more farms versus fewer farms. And then, you know, that also takes uh, into account, uh, you know, what local communities look like and we've seen local grocery stores that have closed down because there simply isn't a, a big enough population in the area and a lot of that's because the farms have left and so that causes other businesses to leave which means people go to the neighboring town or, or the next largest town and then they shop there and do all of their other businesses, you know, in, in the larger communities and where, you know, back in the day when we had 40,000 dairy farms in the state of Wisconsin, um, small rural communities were thriving rather than falling apart.
1: Can we just convert the dairy farms that are that are struggling into asparagus farms? I really like asparagus, and I just feel like we need more of it.
2: Well, you know, that is a process <laughs> that's happening. Uh, you know, looking at that community-supported agriculture model, uh, more and more farms are converting more acres over to agricultural production fruit and vegetable crop production
1: yeah I, I feel like uh you know like the the dairy farms if, if dairy isn't working the farmers must still have the land because they got to have the land to to grow the plants to feed the cows to get the milk so there's st- they have the land right they just need to maybe convert it into something uh you know I, i'm joking a little bit about asparagus farms but like essentially does they grow fruits and vegetables that that makes a lot of sense right
2: right right, right. and then the, you know a lot of the farms that uh have gotten out of dairy. Uh, Some of those farms have went into chicken production, whether it's eggs or meat chickens, um, and then a whole bunch of them have actually converted their uh, farms over into beef production. So um, looking at the numbers on the beef side in Wisconsin, they've actually just about tripled their number of beef farms um, from like the mid-1990s to today. And so, you know, the farms are certainly still producing and, you know, raising those crops to feed the animals. Um, just have uh converted to a different style of agriculture.
1: All right, that's Darren Van Ruden. He's the Wisconsin Farmers Union president. Did I miss anything? Did we not hit something, Darren, that I that I need to get to?
2: No, I think we covered it pretty good, Rick.
1: Okay. Well I re- really appreciate you coming on.
2: Yeah, thank you. All
1: right, thanks. Uh, all right, that's Darren Von Ruden, like I just said, uh, the Farmers Union President, Westby Organic Dairy Farmer. It sounds like he converted to uh, organic dairy, uh, what What did he say, 2005 or so? Did he say it was that long ago? It seems like he was really ahead of the game there. Um, all right, so I got to take one more break. We'll be back. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. If you want to get in here, you can now. 608-785-7914. I don't know why I say that so fast. 608-785-7914. Get out of here, buster. Uh Libertarian guy sent me a book again, so it's really hard to uh, process the 800-word thesis that Libertarian guy sends me whenever I bring up uh, the government's giving people money. But essentially, he's mad that we can't pay for we're we're we who's going to pay for it? Essentially, that the, that's the argument. Hey, we're giving uh, twenty-two million dollars to Lacrosse County to to help out after a pandemic. We're giving what? What did Rick say? Twenty-one Twenty-one million dollars. Twenty-one dollars. Twenty-one million dollars to the city of Lacrosse. Uh, Evers appointed uh, or Evers is distributing fifty million dollars to farmers statewide, and that's on top of fifty million dollars to uh, farmers federally. So how are we going to pay for it? How are we going to pay for it? My my argument is, like let's figure out the military's spending and we'll start there. Uh, and we wanna, I'm not going to get into Afghanistan again, but like there's a nice, u- unique example. Maybe not so unique example, but uh, timely example of 20 years of wasted. Essentially, it looks like wasted money and lives and, and time spending trillions of dollars on something that had what no effect little effect. And now we have to go and rescue these people. And uh, we, c- once we solve spending all that money on the military, who's going to pay for, you know, the dude that's, you know, the, the missiles and the guns and the bullets and the, all that crap. Once we figure that out, then I'm going to, then I can start asking how we're going to pay for giving money to farmers, how we're going to pay for uh, giving money to, Causes to help the homeless, how we're going to pay for uh, those other things, libertarian guys on. I don't know if you're, you you might not have caught the middle of my diatribe (laughs) there, but um, that's where I want to start. I want to start with how are we going to pay for, you know, all the missiles. I saw a funny, I saw a funny, I, I guess a meme. You know, it's, it's a soldier shooting, you know, some kind of <clears throat> uh, some kind of hand missile. Right. And the, the hand, I, I don't know what it's called, but the missile cost eighty thousand dollars. Right. Every time you shoot one of those and the soldiers making what not eighty thousand dollars a year. So it's kind of ironic that uh, the, the guy shooting the thing, uh, the, the thing costs more than what he makes in a <clears throat> year. But that's where I want to start, libertarian guy. When I want to say who's going to pay for this, I want to start with the military and then we'll work down and, and pick on farmers.
3: So, Rick, I'm going to take you in a little bit different direction because we're not talking about the military right now. You just said a moment ago on the air and you had the guest from the the county board on talking about this infrastructure bill and the $21 million. And you said it's going to go for, you know, during the pandemic to try to solve, you know, issues related to COVID. He broke down the planned expenditures into five different categories. Not a single one of them had anything to do with with COVID. Um, the community of La Crosse keeps focusing on homelessness, and I keep saying that they're not going to solve homelessness. If you would agree, during the Kennedy administration, um, they tried to solve poverty. And many people at first blush would say, gosh, what's causing homelessness? Well, people can't afford rent. They're impoverished. They don't have any money. Federal government's been trying to solve poverty ever since the Kennedy administration, and and it doesn't work out. You you cannot just keep throwing money at something and expect it to solve the problem.
1: All right. So, and yeah, so what we need to spend
3: too much on military, but but you're starting kind of in the middle of nowhere when you start focusing on that.
1: Well, we're so focused ahead. on this or the other. Essentially, you're, you're saying we need CEO salary caps. I think that's what you're saying. The CEO can only make so mu- the CEO really? can only make so much of a percentage of what his lowest paid worker makes. How about that?
3: <laughs> well, Rick, it's really hard to argue anything logically with you because you jump onto another tangent. Libertarians believe in freedom. You know, the people that are being paid CEO salaries, they're being paid that because the companies that employ them want to have a successful company. And so in order to get really, really good people at the top to be CEOs, they have to pay them a lot. And when the company does really well, the stockholders, you know, get money. Right. And I got, I got go. Get jobs and so on and so forth. So I, that that's, that's how a, that works. But that's has got, got nothing I go. to do with what we're talking about right yeah, now.
1: Yeah, I got to go, Libertarian guy. I know that's nothing to do with it. But how are we going to pay for it? But uh, there it is, Libertarian guy defending CEOs and stockholders. That's where we're going to take that. All right, I got to go. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. We'll uh, we'll talk uh, to Chris Main tomorrow. We're going to do COVID-19 talks. If you have COVID-19 questions, vaccine questions, stuff like that, uh, he's really good on that stuff. and, And just, yeah, that's where we're at. Thanks a lot.